Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. Isn't it amazing that almost every song that we have that sings of Christmas unto the Christ, there's a right now and a waiting. There's a right now and a waiting. For the birth of Christ wasn't the end of it. There was an awaiting, an awaiting for what the Christ was going to do, an awaiting for how he was going to free his people, an awaiting for his coming back, an awaiting for when we would be with the Father, awaiting. We're not very good at awaiting, are we? We live in a pretty hurried world, in a pretty fast-paced world. We, we, Christmas has come from being a time of great joy and celebration and about the awaiting Savior who arrived and then awaiting his return again. It, it came from being a celebration of that to this hurried rat race of a month of running from here to there and doing this and that. And all we're doing is trying to get to the finish line because the finish line is, is Christmas Eve. And if we can just get to the finish line, everything will be okay, and we'll calm down, and, and it'll be, but we're hurrying, we're hurrying, we're hurrying, we're hurrying, we're going, we're going, we're going, we're doing, we're doing. There was a, a, a post put out about, uh, that my wife read to me because she greatly enjoyed it, something to the effect of, pray for our teachers, because it's the last week of school. And what did it say? Something about they're, they're living on caffeine and no sleep, trying to get it all done. Right? It's just that hurried time. There's so many things. Deadlines, end of the year and business, and you name it, but it's hurried. It's hurried, hurried, hurried. We find ourselves today in Luke chapter 2. And we're going to be in some verses that maybe we read through when we go through the story of, of Christ. But we rarely stop there. And today I want us to be patient, slow down, and stop at a not-so-often-taught-on passage. And let's, let's begin to look at it. You see, it's in the Gospel of Luke we come across two people who appear in this part of Scripture only. It's only once. And while it seems like an insignificant side story to the birth of Christ, if we slow down long enough to visit them, we will learn much about slowing and waiting and following Christ. One is a man named Simeon, and the other is a woman named Anna. They don't appear in any of the nativity scenes that you'll see out, maybe at your house. You're going to go home today and look for them. Where's Simeon and Anna? They're not there. They're just not there. No? I don't, I'll bet they've never been on one greeting card. I don't think they have. Bob, you used to write greeting cards. You still write greeting cards. You ever put Simeon and Anna on a greeting card? No. They don't, they don't show up there. I mean, come on. Who does that? That's crazy, right? Don't do that. But both these individuals were waiting for something, and actually they were waiting for someone. Let's pick up in verse 22 of Luke chapter 2. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem, him meaning Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the, 
to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the, of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was a righteous and devout. We keep finding that, don't we, in the story? Every passage we've looked at, we find righteous, we find righteous and faithful people. That's who the Lord uses, righteous and faithful people. He was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple, into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what is custom of the, of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet Anna, the daughter of Phanil, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong and was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. Father, give us wisdom to understand. Give us wisdom to see. Help us to understand more about what it means to slow and wait. And to not miss you or what you're doing. Thank you, Lord, for your word. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. First thing we see here is there's got to be a willingness. The faithful, the devout, the righteous, whatever word is used in the many passages we've looked at over the last month, there was a willingness by all of them to wait. And there was a willingness to wait because they expected to see the glory of God. They waited on the Lord because they expected to see the glory of God. And these two in particular ones, Simeon and Anna, were waiting to see the actual Messiah. They believed in their lifetime that God had told them they would see the Messiah. Certainly, Simeon was told specifically by the Holy Spirit that he would see the living God before he died. That is an amazing testimony to the Lord. To be told, you will see the Son of Man. You will see the living God. You will see the Christ, the Messiah, and you won't pass away till it happens. Not only was that an outrageous thing to hear and to begin to live under and to begin to live with and to have that faithfulness to God that I will wait for you to do that. But remember, 
there had been 400 years where the Lord hadn't spoken. So now the Holy Spirit came and rested upon Simeon and spoke to him. I mean, that's an awakening. Woo! Okay. He had been hurried up. He had been going about his business just like we are. He had been coming and going. He had been doing what he was supposed to do. His life was as busy probably as everybody else's life. And suddenly the Lord speaks and he goes into waiting mode. The Lord speaks and he responds and he begins to wait. He begins to wait for the Lord to do something incredible. I want us to look at that phrase in there in verse 25. It says, he was waiting on the consolation of Israel. And then if we look down into verse 38, we see that Anna told to all who were looking forward, again, waiting to the redemption of Jerusalem. So we see that Christ was going to come as the comforter of Israel and was also going to come as the redeemer of Israel. He was going to come as both. And they were waiting for that. Simeon's focus was on the comfort, where Anna's was on the redemption. Luke uses a Greek word <clears throat> for waiting that identifies them as waiting with expectation. When you know the Lord has called you to something, when you know he's asked you to wait on something that maybe he hasn't answered you or he has answered you, and the answer is you're going to have this in your life, but wait. Or this is going to be restored in your life, but wait. This comfort is going to come to you, but wait. Do you wait with great expectation or do you wait with moaning? Do you wait with groaning? And do you wait hurriedly? Do you go about trying to make it happen quicker? You go about just rushing past it. Yeah, yeah, that's a promise. But Lord, if you're not working today, I got to go get after it. There's a lot to do today and a lot to be about. And if you're not going to fix it, I'm going to fix it. Does that end up being more of our, of our disposition and our attitude? Or like Simeon and Anna, are we waiting on what the Lord is truly going to do? He'll bring comfort in his season and time. And he'll bring redemption in his season and his time. Are you willing to wait? But if you take what this word waiting with expectation, if you take it just a little bit, uh, uh, it, just in a little bit deeper of a sense, it literally means this, that they were ready and alert to his appearance and ready to welcome him. When the Lord tells us he's going to do something, do we wait with expectation? And then are we ready, right? Are we ready and alert to him acting in the manner he said he was going to act? Are we ready and alert to him doing what he said he was going to do in our lives? Are we ready and alert to him making his promises come to pass? On an everyday basis, are we ready and alert for God to talk to us? Are we ready and alert for him to say, here's what I want you to do? And that we would be ready and alert and respond. Or are we just hurriedly going down the path of life, doing what it is that we have to do? Look, things weren't going all that well for Israel. We had talked about that. They hadn't heard from God in over 400 years, and they were under the Romans' rule, under Rome's rule. They had lost their political independence. They were living in fear of the, of the cruel King Herod. And they kept wondering and praying, when will the Messiah come? But most had begun to scheme up political plans and devise political uh, means and even war to take back Israel and to become a free people again. But not Simeon. Simeon's expectation focused on the comfort that Christ would bring. He focused on the comfort that he would bring to a people who had been 
under a, dictator, a dictatorship, under a foreign government, under a cruel king. He waited for the Christ who was going to come to give comfort to their situation. He wasn't waiting for the situation to be over. He was waiting for the Christ to come and bring comfort. Is that true of each of us? Are we waiting for the Christ to bring comfort? Are we waiting for Jesus and his, the truth of his word to bring comfort into our lives? Are we waiting for him to end the discomfort, to end the displeasure, to do something that I really want him to do as opposed to what he should be doing? Do we want him for who he is, the great comforter? Simeon's expectations focused on the comfort that Christ would bring. One of the popular titles during Simeon's day was the Messiah, the Comforter. The Messiah, the Comforter. We all have that desire, don't we? The comfort in our times of struggle, loneliness, emptiness, insecurity. And even in moments of desperation, we want to be comforted. And that is the name of our Jesus. Do we go to him? Do we wait patiently on him? Do we allow him to speak into our lives in the way that we need to be spoken to? The Holy Spirit prompted Simeon to go to the temple courts at just the right time, at just the right day that Joseph and Mary were bringing their infants to the, tem to the temple. When Simeon looked at the baby, he was now about six weeks old. And he knew that God's promise had been kept. Because he responded at just the right moment, at just the right time. He saw in his lifetime, because he was faithful and knew that God's promise would come to pass. And when God moved and said, go, he went. And there he was, the six-week-old baby. Emmanuel, God with us. He was here to make everything right. Hope for tomorrow and a future. He'd bring joy in the midst of oppression. He'd bring peace and comfort to a people who hadn't known it and who had been separated from their God for years. Look at what verse 28 says. It says that Simeon reached down, took Jesus out of Mary's arms, and began to praise God. I'm not sure. Got a lot of parents out here. That may have been just a little bit unsettling. You walk into church, and I walk up to you, Oh, praise Jesus! I just take your baby out of your arms. Nothing was going to stop Simeon from seeing the Jesus. Nothing was going to stop Simeon from grabbing that baby because he had been waiting. He had been waiting on the promises of God, and there he was, Emmanuel, God with us. And he got to experience God coming near. He got to experience the miraculous, amazing work that God did that day because he waited patiently, and he stepped into it. He didn't hurry past it. And when God said, move and go to this exact place, he did exactly what he was commanded to do. And what happened? He got to hold the cross. You have to sing praises to God. Anna was waiting for a redeemer, one who was going to free her and Israel from their bondage. Almost certainly, she believed that the redemption would mean freedom from Rome. But Jesus came to bring redemption and freedom from our sins, first and foremost. From the rejection of, of living against the God that created us, that made us, that made us his own. He was here to restore that. He was here to restore that relationship, to restore that peace between us and God. And so many times we just hurry through life doing it ourselves that we don't sit and contemplate or even step into the redemption that Jesus came to bring. There's people all around our lives that are just hurrying right through, getting from one day to the next, and they're not seeing the Redeemer that came to set them free from the bondage of sin and death. Jesus came to pay the price for our disobedience and to bring freedom, to bring life, and to bring right standing with God. 
We are now his sons and daughters with access and citizenship in the kingdom of God. He truly set us free. It's a hectic world we live in. And it's not just at Christmas time. It's daily. And Christmas is here to remind us. Wait expectantly. And be alert to what the Savior will do today in and through our lives. Are we a people so convinced that God is working and moving in our lives that his, and his promises are so real that we are waiting expectantly and that we are alert to what the Savior will do today in and through our lives? Is that who we are? It's who we need to be. Have you gotten to the end of a month, a year, a decade, look back and realize that your head had just been down for so long that it was gone? Just been rushing from one thing to the next, doing the next thing. Opportunities were missed. Appointments were missed. Decades with friends and families were missed. There wasn't a ton of purpose besides just achieving. We don't have to live that way. It doesn't have to be the way that followers of Christ live. We can live with every day being pregnant of expectation of God doing this amazing work in and through our lives that he will show up and he will be the comforter and he'll be the redeemer as well as he'll be the one to bring hope and he'll be the one to bring peace and he'll be the one to bring joy. We get to live with this expectation that the Lord will do the most amazing work through our lives because that is what he promised to do. He brought us into the kingdom and dwells, and dwells us the whole, with the Holy Spirit and says, I'm going to do the supernatural through your life. But we have to slow down long enough to know what it is. We have to slow down long enough to see what he's doing and to join him. We have to slow down long enough to acknowledge the Savior has come and he is at work. Simeon and Anna were ready for the Lord to come near. They were anticipating Jesus would be there among them. Are you ready? Are you available? Have you slowed down enough to recognize his presence in your life? Jesus comes to us each day on his terms our terms. All right, Lord, I'm going to get to the stoplight in about a half an hour. That would be a great time to talk to me. That'd be a good time. Hey, Lord, I got a break coming up around three. I, I didn't schedule anything. And if you want to talk to me at three, that's a great time. Hey, Lord, I don't listen real well to the small voice. Can you always talk to me in the thunder? Lord, you know that pain stuff that you bring sometimes into my life so that I really hear and it kind of cultivates our relationship, molds me into who you want me to be? I'm not really into that one. Nope. Mm -mm. Really, I just want you to just, you know, Write me a letter. The letter's good. The letter's good. I'll take one of those. That way I know where to go. And Lord, by the way, this whole idea that I can't see you every day, that's not the way I want it to be. I want to actually see you. I want to, I want to, I want to see you. I actually want, to, I want you to, I want to be able to, like, look at your face. I want to touch. I want to touch. He says, I come to you in the most ridiculous of ways as a baby. I'll come to you on my terms to teach what I want to teach, to lead you how I want to lead you, to give you the life that I created you to have because I'm your Lord and I'm your God. Will you be ready? Will you be full of expectation for what I want to do? Here's how we get there. Here's how we get there. Here's how we get to be, respond. How do we get there? We can respond like, like Simeon and we can respond like Anna. We need to slow down and take time to marvel. Slow down and take time to marvel. Luke 2.33 says this. 
the child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. When you look at that one verse right there, it reminds us that so often we don't marvel. We're too busy hurrying that there's no room to marvel. And so let's think about the word. Let's think about this for a minute. Do we slow down each week, each day, preferably throughout, throughout each day and marvel at what God is doing in your life? How he is piecing it all together for his glory in your best. Do you take time to marvel at his power and work that is all around you? Do you take time to marvel at the power of his word and the consistency of his word and the promises that he keeps on a regular basis? Do you take time to marvel at your peace in the midst of chaos, at the joy that you have in the, in the midst of pain, at the hope that you have in the darkest moments of life? We got to stop and realize that that's the way we actually have those things. And we got to stop and go, how is it that I have hope right now? Because the Lord is in us. His truth is in us. And so if we'll stop and marvel that these things are actually transpiring in our lives, it causes us to slow down and look for the other ways that God will be moving. Do you slow down and marvel at God's power to change people and heal people? When was the last time you looked back over your life? When was the last time you took inventory and remembered how God changed you? When was the last time you remembered his great healing that's come into your life? both physically and emotionally and spiritually. When's the last time you marveled at that? The things that we marvel at, we want to be around more. We want to be available for more. We want to see it again. You marvel at Jesus? When's the last time you slowed down to marvel that while we were still sinners, he loved us? And while we still sin, he loves us. Oh, that's a big one. Because yesterday was not a good day for me. And I'm so thankful that he still loves me. Regardless of my responses and my sin and all the junk that makes up Tim, I'm just thankful. And I marvel at how he could do that. Do you take time to marvel at what he wants us, what, what, what he wants you to carry out? And that he wants you to carry out his plan and that he's given us access to what that plan is. And he gave us the Holy Spirit to lead us into each moment. Do you marvel at that fact? Maybe you don't see it quite enough. Maybe you don't slow down quite enough to see it as often as we should. But you ever stop, sit down, rest for a moment, contemplate the Lord and go, really? You want to use me? And that he unpacks his plan. Remember his vision? That all would know Christ and know his teaching, everything he taught and commanded. Right? It's the same vision we have for our church. Because it's the vision for every individual. It's the vision that God gave us. That we would teach everything that Jesus commanded to every person in the world. And our vision in Loudoun County, our vision is that we would first go to Loudoun County and then into the rest of the world and teach that. And he wants to use us to do that. Do you marvel as the Jesus who came as a baby but died on the cross to save us and have a relationship with us? Or has that marvel been lost in the hurry of life? How do we get to this place of being able to marvel? Take your Sabbath. The Lord knew you'd be busy. The Lord knew that we would be rushing around. The Lord knew that our life would be all cluttered. The Lord knew that there would be all sorts of things in life that would hinder us from seeing him and acknowledging him on a regular basis. So he said once a week, I want it all to stop. Just stop it all. And I want you to sit with me. And I want to remind you that I am God, right? That's what the Lord says. And you are not. I want to remind you of my great character. I want to remind you of my great promises. I want to give you a moment every week, a full 24-hour moment every week 
that you would be able to marvel at who I am, that you would stop rushing and stop trying to accomplish and stop trying to provide and stop trying to do all these things, and that you would sit with me and let me be the Lord of your life in such a way that you would marvel at who I am. And we would awaken each week to his presence in our life, what he wants to do, how he wants to use us, and that he is at work. And suddenly we're not just reminded as that, oh, here's a reminder God wants to do something. You sit with God once a week in his presence, in his word, contemplating who he is, what he's done in your life. And all of a sudden, you are so awake and so alive on Monday. You're, you're, your sensories, man, your spidey senses are going off like crazy. Whoa, what's going on? Jesus is at work everywhere, and I have been reminded of his great power, and he is using me, and I can't wait to see what is going to happen next. And you finally wake up Monday morning, that alarm goes off at 6 o'clock, and what do you have? You have this moment of expectation and anticipation of what the week is going to hold because you just spent a day with Jesus. Why are we so afraid to do that? Why are we so resistant to do that? Why do we hang on so tight for our lives? So we won't just give him a day. A Sabbath. A Sabbath. He gave it to us because he wanted us to marvel at who he is. Take, take time each day and get into the word. Each day get into the word. You knew this was coming. It's going to come in every message. Because here's how we marvel most. Is we read who he is. We read what he's done. We read of his great power. And when we're in there every day, we are awakened and we are heightened to the activities of God. And we marvel at his character. We marvel at who he is. And then to slow down and hear the stories of God working in other people's lives. When was the last time you sat with a brother or sister and go, tell me what God's doing. Tell me what he's doing. I got to know how you've seen him. I got to know how you've been interacting with him. I got to know about his power and how it's been on display. Tell me what he's been doing. When was the last time you did that? Because you will marvel at God's power when you see it exhibited in your brother or sister's life. Slow down and take time to marvel. And we'll slow down and we will see Jesus. And we will anticipate what he will do in our lives. Slow down and allow yourselves to be moved by God. Slow down and allow yourselves to be moved by God. Let him change your course in a day. Let him rearrange your schedule. Let him, let him have to... You know, let, let, him, let him cause you to make a right turn when you really wanted to make the left. I do that because I stop thinking while I'm driving. But do it because it's purposeful. Then all of a sudden you're driving down the street and the Lord says, I want you over here. Or you stay a little longer in a store and you really don't know why. Or, or you say hello to somebody that normally you wouldn't have said hello to, but the Spirit's moving in your life. And you've been awakened to his, mar you've marveled at the way he uses people. And you know that he does that. You've heard people's testimonies and stories about how he told them to stop or he told them to reach out or they told them to say something. And all of a sudden, that person's life just dramatically changed. And you're going, whoa, I want to be used that way. And now, when we slow down and anticipate that God wants to use us in people's lives, that God will actually direct our steps like Scripture promises, that God will actually give us divine appointments, and that we just need to be obedient like Simeon was. He got up, left, and went to the temple. And what happened? Because he went on the right day at the right time the Lord told him to. He saw Jesus. What's going to happen to you? When you anticipate, when you anticipate that God is going to use you in people's lives, and you anticipate that he's going to talk to you, and you anticipate that you're going to be obedient. 
when he does. Look, Simeon and Anna, they allowed God to move them. The shepherds were moved and they, by God, and they responded. Mary and Joseph were moved by God, and they responded. The wise men were moved by God, and they responded. When we are moved by God and respond in obedience, we get to see the promises of God being fulfilled. Maybe it's that we are the instruments of comfort. Maybe, maybe we are the bearers of pain for somebody else's life. Maybe we are inconvenienced so that others can find the comfort and the redemption, the hope and the peace that they're looking for. When God moves, we're to respond, but we have to practice. We wake up each day anticipating that God's going to move, and when he does, we practice, we practice, we practice. We're willing to let him move us. Finally, slow down and tell somebody. Slow down and tell somebody. When Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. Simeon saw the Jesus and spoke the truth. He saw the Christ, held the Christ, and then spoke the truth. Anna, coming to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. She saw the child, and she told everybody who he was. You want to be more available to what God's doing in people's lives? Just start telling people about Jesus. You want to be more available to what God's doing and how he wants to use you? Just start telling people about Jesus. Just start telling people about who he is. Your great God is. Tell him about how he showed up in your life. Tell him about he came unexpected and on his own terms. He showed up in your life and you're like, I, I got to be a part of it. Like he held me. I held him. It was craziness. I know. I didn't think I was going to get through this. And suddenly he was there and I'm getting through it. I received his comfort. I received his redemption. You don't know who I was. And he said, I save you. That's crazy. Tell people. You are the witness to the work of the Lord. Tell them. Tell people and you will become even more aware of the movements of God. And you will anticipate how he will use you. Go to each interaction you have with people with the expectation that God will put a word in your mouth to tell them about him. Instead, we too often go to people with anticipation. Uh, Lord, I know you're going to give me a window to talk to him. A window? Man, he's already busted through the window and he's created a door, put a hole in the building. And he's saying, look, I put words in your mouth. Would you tell them? Tell them. And as we do it, we see lives come alive all around us. And we remember that the Lord works. He does the miraculous. He does the unthinkable. He does the impossible. But we got to slow down. And we got to realize that Jesus is on the move. And he's on the move in your life. Will you respond to him? We've ended all of our services during this series the same way. Where in your life do you need to slow down? Where is it time to put something on the table? Just, just set it aside. Daniel, go ahead and come out. Where is it time to, to say, I need to stop rushing around here or there? Where is it time to say, I'm going to sit and observe a Sabbath? We'll do some more teaching on the Sabbath later on next year. But the Sabbath is supposed to be a day we set aside to the Lord. Where do we need to do that? Where is it that I just need to move in my life and I need to start living my life with this amazing expectation?
an anticipation that the Lord will show up. What area of your life? How is it you're going to slow down? What needs to be surrendered? It's time to hear the voice of the Lord. I think it's time to respond.